What is up, y'all? This is Scarlett, a.k.a. Scardi B, a.k.a. your resident emo historian. And join me as I unpack the history of Fall Out Boy and hip-hop. Look, y'all, there is a lot to cover in this limited-run podcast. So strap on in, because sugar, we're going in. Welcome back to Sugar. We're going in. This is Scarlett, and this is the podcast that really explores the intersectionalities of Fall Out Boy and hip hop. If you could believe it, there is a ton to talk about. So I am here as your lovely host and guide uh, to get you through all that information. So if you didn't listen to the last episode, what the fuck are you doing? Please go right back. It's not even that long. Um, but I'm going to break it down and wrap some things up for you just so that you are ready for this episode, which really covers 2005, which was a huge, ginormous year for Fall Out Boy. So in 2004, uh, we talked a little bit about the start of Decadence Records. Really, that got its teeth and legs in 2005. But in 2004, this is when Travi and Pete were all getting that collective together. We heard from Pete's manager, as well as Pete, about how important that time was when Decadence Records was forming. And we'll hear about Decadence Records well through 2008 and beyond with everything that it has to give this story, this journey, this everything going on with Fall Out Boy and hip hop. Um, corrections corner already um, because I am but a human and a mere mortal. If you came to this podcast looking for like Wikipedia facts, um, don't. Anyway, corrections corner this week. We covered 2004 in the last episode, but I, I got something wrong, y'all. 50 Cent was during the Believers Never Die tour in 2009 and not part of Honda Civic tour. Big shout out to Ali and Raven who were the first to say, y'all, this is not correct, but um, they're so loving and so kind and I really appreciate y'all for that. Anyway, welcome to 2005. This episode really sets the tone for the, like, the explosion that happens with Fall Out Boy and then obviously how they got connected to the mainstream and then started getting uh, more instilled in the hip-hop culture. So in development right now is Jay-Z becoming president for Def Jam and I really just wanted to put that out there because again it is a really big stepping stone for what happens next. So we're in 2005 now, Decay Dance going, everything's good. Fall Out Boy is gearing up to put out from under the cork tree um, that spring. And and before things get wild, you know, coming up, um, I really wanted to remember where they came from when recording Take This to Your Grave. Conditions were dire. <laughs> okay, y'all, like, if Patrick was 19 when Take This to Your Grave came out, that means that he was an 18-year-old drummer turned singer turned newly legal adult in all the same year. Pete and Patrick have both described in detail what they went through even to get to 2004 into 2005. So this is Pete from The Blair Show in 2004. He goes, there was no money to eat. We were at a spot that paid bands in sodas to record, but we asked them if they could pay us in PB&Js to get through, okay? The gutter, the bottom, okay? And I know there is a story um, where Patrick would steal Pete's ketchup and Joe's bread or vice versa to like get through the day. Allegedly. I'm sprinkling in the allegedly. You don't hear it. Maybe now you do. Allegedly. Um, but I like to think that that did happen because they are extremely hard workers and everybody went through that struggle. Everybody all together. 
So a little bit of label talk. After they released their debut album, Evening Out With Your Girlfriend on Uprising Records, the band signed a very unique record label deal that involved Fueled by Ramen, shout out to FBR, and major label Island Records. So for their 2003 record, Take This to Your Grave, Island reserved the right to pick up the follow-up, which ended up being From Under the Cork Tree, and they did exactly that. So From Under the Cork Tree came out in May 2005, and we'll get to that. So From Under the Cork Tree, released May 3rd, 2005. Happy birthday, baby. We love you. Um, if, if you don't go absolutely bonkers when the cameras start going off at the beginning of uh, the first song, I don't know what to tell you. The lead single uh, for From Under the Cork Tree was Sugar, We're Going Down. Sound familiar? You maybe know it. And that came out on April 4th, 2005. So it came out just a little bit before the album to promote what was happening. So Sugar, We're Going Down is such an important track for this album, if not this entire podcast, because it really just launches and catapults Fall Out Boy into mainstream success. Let's let's dive into the hip hop part. So before we even get too into the nitty gritty, let's talk about Pete and hip hop, right? So Pete was on this legendary episode of Hype Men and you can't even find it. On, like I had to really dig for this interview online, y'all, because it is not available anywhere. Um, but it was an hour of, of absolute goodness. And he talks about getting his start in loving hip hop with Vanilla Ice. He had the hammer pants and everything. He was listening to Q-Tip, N.W.A., Tupac, just West Coast gangster rap that he had absolutely nothing to do with as a Chicago uh, suburban boy. He really attests that hip hop is like the new level to punk, like as a punk uh, band leader and, you know, has been in a ton of punk bands. um, Hip hop is definitely talking about the same social economic things that, you know, punk bands also sing about. So I think that there was a lot of correlation there. And some of the first rappers that got onto Fall Out Boy, I mean, it's not a surprise. Chicagoian uh, Lupe Fiasco was one of the first people that really like tapped into what Fall Out Boy was doing. And Lupe Fiasco will actually come up a couple times later because uh, he ends up working with Patrick on his album, The Cool. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. So Pete, when asked about the Jay-Z unplugged and just Jay-Z in general, he says that something that he loves about Jay-Z is that he is someone that takes a genre and builds off of it, gives and makes it better so that you don't become this, you know, stagnant enigma in just like culture. And culture was changing quick at that time. Speaking of Jay-Z, Jay-Z and Beyonce came to see Fall Out Boy play in New York as early as 2005 when Sugar Were Going Down was making it really big. I mean, think about going to a Fall Out Boy show and like Jay-Z and Beyonce are side stage. There's an article that quotes Jay-Z as being stunned with how all the kids knew the words and knowing what that he was like witnessing something really big. Um, so this is what I talk about a tastemaker. Someone really tapped in. And this comes from a Herald Tribune article, which is like no longer online. I tried the Wayback Machine, so leave me alone. So this is all I can give you right now. But here's a quote from Jay-Z. I went to see them at Irving plaza in manhattan and everyone knew the words and was singing it was a cult following this is not the first time that someone calls fall out boy a cult i watched them and thought these guys are stars this is genuine i would definitely get that as a chest hat if jay-z said that about me 
the band is no stranger to Jay-Z either. So Pete's been holding up the rock sign at as as early as Warp Tour. So this was back in 2003, four, um, when they were really on that circuit. So you can imagine Pete Wentz throwing up the rock at like Camden, New Jersey, Warp Tour and having thousands of kids do it back. And I remember in 2007, when I went to go see them, he would do this part during the set where it's like, Please stand stand. for your Pledge of Allegiance. Allegiance. Please stand for your anthem. anthem. And it would be, where is your boy tonight? Um, But he would make all these suburban kids throw up the rock. I was just learning what the rock was, but I was throwing it up, baby. So here's like little baby Scarlett, 12 years old with like her mom next to her, just like throwing up the rock at a Fall Out Boy show. Um, But apparently one of those photos of him throwing up the rock is hanging in Jay-Z's office. Pete isn't the only one getting love from Hove, all right? So there's a Hype Men podcast interview with Patrick. Again, dove so deep to find this interview, y'all. But it's super worth it. It's about an hour. And he says that the meeting with Jay-Z was the coolest meeting I've ever had. He's a very simple man. I'm talking about Patrick, not Jay-Z. He says that it was me and my girlfriend in New York City, like one of the first times that I like bring her around the office. And as he was arriving, Gwyneth Paltrow was leaving the office. So already the points are like off the chart, right? It's Friday. So he sits down. It's Friday. And he says that Jay-Z pulls out the wine. And I can't, I really want to do a good Jay-Z right now, but it's like, no, I can't even, I'm not even going to do it. But Jay-Z pulls out the wine and Patrick just said that he looked so baller. Like his girlfriend was like, damn, is this like every day for you? I'm sure his girlfriend also did not sound like that, but I'd like to imagine that that's exactly how it went. But this meeting was very, very fruitful for a ton of stuff that Patrick did moving forward. Something that you might not have known, y'all. Lock in for this. Patrick was called to do a hook, a verse, a something on Kingdom Come, the album. Patrick is getting this demo played for him at the office. um, And Jay goes, I like everything about this song. By the way, it's Chris Martin on the hook, but he's not sold on it. Okay, so can you imagine Patrick having to out Chris Martin? Chris Martin, that's how he put it. And, And this is the year that he broke. So his confidence is building. There's areas of opportunity. And he says about the experience about writing that verse, that hook, uh, he had the worst writer's block and didn't come up with anything that made the final cut. So we could have had... I'm not going to scream. We could have had Patrick on Jay-Z's Kingdom Come. But you know what, Bobby? It's okay. We love you. It's fine. So he didn't write anything that made the final cut. Um, He totally choked and he said that he just like kind of slumped into a corner during (laughs) the rest of the recording Um, but during that session there were also other folks in the room who were working on the album the song Swiss Beats Nuts Timbaland crazy and Timbaland comes up again later in 2008 so this really makes me wonder if this was one of the first meetings that then inspired when Fall Out Boy and Timbaland made the song one and only in um, 2007. Also 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 at the session was Pharrell, Kanye and by day two L.A. Reid was like sitting at the control booth like it was like a spaceship um, going over the session. Apparently, this is also the day that Patrick had his first sip of champagne go off. 
Um, and uh, when he leaves and comes back, Memphis Bleak <laughs> is sitting at the board. But not only is he sitting at the board, the board, the soundboard is just full with food. And I think that that is baller as fuck to be in a studio with Memphis Bleak and have that be one of your first big like recording sessions. And it be catered. So eat up. When asked about uh, how that experience really affected him, he goes, you know, I know how to make beats. I didn't know how people tracked. I bombed that part, but I learned a lot. Patrick's confidence from here on out would really grow with working with Gym Class Heroes after this. Again, Lupe Fiasco and so many other folks. So we definitely see that glow up right there. A lot of what I just covered was on the Genius article, how Jay-Z ended up on Fallout Boy's Thriller. Our byline, Grant Rinder or Rinder. Thank you, Grant. So now we're back, right? It's, it's from where the courtry came out. There's a lot of mass media. There is a ton of attention on these guys. Uh, they're charting. The video's doing numbers on TRL. And then also comes out the Dance Dance video, which was out in October 11th of 2005 of that same year that it came out. This is the second single from, from Under the Cork Tree. And this music video was directed by Alan Ferguson. Alan Ferguson becomes a huge name in the trajectory of Fall Out Boy, specifically because he did a shit ton of their videos. I mean, let me count it out, y'all. Actually, I don't have to because I did it for myself. He did a total of seven Fall Out Boy videos throughout their career because they're still going, right? So he could come back. But for now, he, they've done seven videos. These guys were acting their asses off. It's really cute. If you haven't seen the Dance Dance video, I'll put it in the playlist. The biggest part of why the Dance Dance video is being talked about right now is because it was the first time that I saw Black people represented in a rock music video. That moment during the dance floor scene where Travi McCoy starts dancing and there's like this beautiful black woman also just like absolutely getting her life next to him. I need to find her name and I will for the next episode. It, it just really made me feel like, oh, people of color, people who look like me, people who have this huge hair and these huge personalities are like welcome on these floors in a place where like I really didn't know if I belonged. I was like too Latin for the white kids, too white for the Latin kids. So just to have that space where Travi obviously was working with Pete through Decay Dance was represented was such a big moment for me. And I remember that being my favorite music video for a really long time because of that. So again, Travi McCoy from Gym Class Heroes did an amazing cameo and then comes back for a couple of other videos. All right, so when it comes to Alan Ferguson, he is a director, producer, cinematographer. He's best known for working with Janelle Monet for Dirty Computer, Katy Perry's Hot and Cold, and was previously married to Solange. This is important. I promise I'm not just putting it in here. And it's because Janelle Monet and Pete Wentz, Solange tweeted that they were the ones that introduced Solange to Alan Ferguson. So there's like tweets and they've been super deleted since. But um, <laughs> but she goes, oh, you know, thanks to Janelle Monae and, and Pete Wentz like almost 10 years ago for introducing me to, to Alan. So go Pete, I guess, maybe. But I think that that was a really interesting collection there. Let's get into it, y'all. The remixes. When you have an album that goes 
amazingly big as from under the cork tree did people are going to pay attention and you will get remixes and mashups and everything in between and this is really a song that inspired this podcast obviously um because of the ways that i also heard it be used in hip-hop um but the first official remix is the Patrick Stump remix. Um, it's super sultry. It's bass heavy. I will also include it in this listicle of things to watch and listen to because it is my absolute favorite. Are you ready for me to blow your mind? I have information from this Patrick Hypeman interview that rattled me to the bone. I will never sleep again. I will have cold sweats for the rest of my life. Could you imagine, or do you believe me when I tell you that the official Dance Dance remix was supposed to be Joel Santana? Joel, Joel Santana of Dipset, The Diplomats. Apparently, Joel Santana was a huge, I'm going to say is, I'm going to say is, is a huge Fall Out Boy fan and wanted to do the official remix for Dance Dance. He had that whistle song, the whistle song that came out in 2005. So all this happening from under the court tree comes out, Sugar We're Going Down comes out. Joel Santana wants to do a remix of Dance Dance right before or after the whistle song comes out. I don't know what thoughty little fifth grade Scarlet living in Elizabeth, New Jersey would have done with this information. That is my Afro-Latino brother. Um, he is also Dominican. So I, I just love that so early on, I didn't feel so alone about being so tapped in. Like there was something so uh, like so together and something that felt like it went together um, about Fall Out Boy's music and hip hop. And again, that's going to be a huge through line of this entire series. One of the mashups that I could A, not get clearance for, B, is no longer on Spotify, is the Jay-Z 99 Problems and 7 Minutes in Heaven mashup. It was produced by Black Friday. Um, I did find a YouTubing tins of it. So again, I will include it for you to listen. But it's just super exciting, again, to hear these mashups because it won't be the last time that we hear like official mashups with Fall Out Boy and hip-hop artists. There was a gigantic uh, mashup mixtape that comes out i believe in 2007 with all kanye west and all fallout boy songs and i'll be able to grab that for y'all as well but this is definitely the start of people really seeing these songs go together and making official mashups out of it all right y'all who sampled who we had big sean who did jit juke and Big Sean on the same record label, Def Jam, um, samples the entire chorus in the end. So if you listen to the end of Jit Juke, and again, I'll include it, um, he just does, it's going down, down in the earliest round, and baby, we'll be going down swinging. I'll be your number one with the bullet. I've got a loaded God complex, cock it and pull it. Okay, like... Big Pete Wentz energy, Big Sean, we love it, um, but definitely a nice little homage, a little lick lick salute if you if I do say so myself, to uh, Sugar We're Going Down. And Big Sean will come back not only as a uh, participant in a collaboration on a song with them, but also in other cameo facets. A rapper named Little Aaron in 2017. The song's called Top 8. It's Middington's McMiddington's, and um, he basically just ripped the whole thing. Good job, Little Aaron. Russ, You Could Have Left Me Alone came out in 2020. So this is one of the most recent ones. 
and it it, it just takes the entire course. Um, and I think that's super sweet because he probably got clearances for it. So like, good for you, Russ, um, as an independent artist, clearing that shit. Um, but these are three really big um, examples of this. And then the fourth example is a sample of Dance Dance by Machine Gun Kelly in Body Bag. But we don't give a f So thank you, Machine Gun Kelly, for your service or whatever. Well, y'all, this has been Sugar We're Going In, and we did indeed go in. Um, and next is 2006, right? So this is really the beginnings of Patrick Stump producing in a really, really large way while he's working with Fall Out Boy. We're talking about Lupe Fiasco. We're talking about Gym Class Heroes and Travi McCoy. Travi back. That 2006 was so critical to A, Gym Class Heroes, B, Fall Out Boy, and C, honestly, society. Thank you and you're welcome. Anyway, I hope that y'all enjoyed this and continue to listen in. If you like what you heard or you want to hear more of these songs or listen to them for the first time, again, I'm going to have a playlist on my website um, where you can hear the songs, the mashups, the remixes, where available. Big asterisk because the internet, Al Gore's good internet has me down bad um, with trying to get clearances for this stuff. So I cannot and will not play it on the podcast. Unless, you know, like Patrick's like, yeah, you know, Scarlett, she, she's so amazing. Like, you should totally play. So you can go to the website to listen to that. But I have a question for y'all before we go, because we need to figure out what we are calling fans of this podcast. All right. So here's a poll. Press one for sugars. Press two for sugies. Press three for sugie woogies. And press four for other. And then let me know what the other is. What if I just like wasn't recording again? <laughs> <laughs>